Hi everybody, Jimmy DeYoung, and welcome to Prophecy Today. This is Prophecy Today Christmas special. Each and every year about this time we get together and we go to the Middle East. And in fact, in a moment, we'll be going to the little town of Bethlehem. John Showan is a pastor of a church there. He'll be our broadcast partner. Give us a report from Bethlehem, then up to Nazareth. Nazareth's the hometown of Jesus Christ for 28 years. Born in Bethlehem, of course, then in Nazareth, his mother and father, Joseph and Mary, raising him up. And for 28 years before he went into ministry, his hometown, Nazareth, will go there and we'll talk with Nazar Tuma. He'll be there reporting for us. And then Minno Kalashir, he's the man that Judy and I, my wife and I, joined with he and his wife, Anat, and we started a church, the Assembly at Jerusalem. It was started way back in 91, and I think he has a special report about what they are just getting ready to do. It'll be a blessing to all of you who have followed Minno Kalashir. But we'll talk about Jerusalem. That's the place he was crucified, buried, and resurrected from. He left, went to heaven, coming back to Jerusalem as well to set up his kingdom. Minno's standing by. He'll be our broadcast partner for that location. But our broadcast partner for geopolitical activities, even on a Prophecy Today Christmas special, is Ken Timmerman. He's traveled all over the world. I'm going to see if he has a Christmas favorite story. We'll get to that in a moment. But Ken, a couple of news items before we get to that. Israel is now on high alert as President Trump pulls out of Syria. Now, that was a very controversial decision, Israel, and I don't think the prime minister was really happy about it, but they're on high alert now because of the fact that uh, the Iranians and the Syrians may try something because of the fact the U.S. pulling out their troops. What do we know? Well, Jimmy, this is a huge decision. I think it's a huge error by President Trump. And as you know, and our listeners know, I've been a big supporter of the president, and I believe in his agenda. But I think this time uh, he's been listening to the wrong people. He's been listening to Rand Paul, who does not understand the world, does not understand the role of American military power in checking the ambitions of non-state actors as well as state actors who do not wish us well. And I'm thinking here of Turkey, Syria, Iran, and also Russia. With just 2,000 troops on the ground, the United States had an extraordinary deterrent capability in Syria. We were able to somewhat check Iranian expansionism. We were able to keep the Russians a little bit honest, and we were able to keep Turkey from expanding more into northern Syria than they have until now, and we've been able to prevent them from openly going after the Kurds in the eastern parts of Syria. I think this is a huge mistake. I understand Israel putting its troops on alert. Uh, the former defense minister, Avigor Lieberman, even mentioned, and this is something we've been talking about here the last couple of weeks, that the withdrawal of the U.S. from Syria significantly raises the chances of an all-out conflict in the north for Israel. That would be both Lebanon and Syria. So this is serious business, very serious business. I do agree 100%. Our Secretary of Defense, Mattis, he he resigned, it seems, over this difference in opinion and a decision and policy in which way you should go. Do you think that is possibly the case as well? Well, absolutely. And I think Mattis made that clear in his resignation letter, which I've, I've read 
thoroughly and very carefully, and it, it is troubling. Now, this said, Mattis is a more conventional alliances type of guy. He did not agree with the president from the get-go when President Trump said he wanted to end our foreign entanglements. Mattis wanted to maintain our foreign entanglements. And remember also at the same time that the president announced this withdrawal of, from Syria of 2,000 troops, he announced withdrawal of over 10,000 troops from Afghanistan, where we've been from 17 years. And, and that, you will notice, has gotten much less attention in the media because the president asked over a year ago of the Defense Department of Secretary Mattis and the military leaders to come up with a plan to reduce our footprint in Afghanistan, to reduce our presence there, to pull out. And they couldn't come up with anything. And you had the former military commander there, General McChrystal, saying the best plan is just to muddle through. Well, that's not good enough, and it certainly wasn't good enough for the president. And frankly, you've seen no media uproar over the Afghan pullout. Everybody's focused on Syria because Syria is clearly the uh, most cost-effective place for us to be engaged right now with very few troops on the ground, just 2,000. And we are serving a very specific purpose, whereas in Afghanistan, I think the president's right. We've just got bogged down. There's no end in sight to that one. You know, I'm wondering whether the caliphate of Islamic State has really been destroyed. Now, I understand geographically that is probably the case, but they still have a number of troops, even in Syria, as it relates to Islamic State. They really haven't totally been defeated, have they? Well, and that's where the U.S. presence as a deterrent comes in, is to make sure that the gains on the ground, which are very real, ISIS has been defeated. They no longer have a caliphate. They no longer have a geographical presence, as you just said, in Syria or Iraq. That's real. That's a real accomplishment of President Trump and this administration and of the U.S. military and our coalition partners. But that could be lost. Those gains could very easily be lost if the United States goes through with this announced decision and pulls those 2,000 troops out. It seems like such a small number, but those 2,000 American Special Forces operators serve as a force multiplier to the Kurds on the ground, to the French and other coalition partners on the ground by providing intelligence support, air support, and training in particular to the Kurds. So this will indeed make a very big difference. ISIS could come back. By the way, the, the Kurds have announced they have about 700 ISIS fighters who are in their prison and another 2,400 women who have been captured with ISIS. And the Kurds have said, well, we're just going to release them. We're going to move. We're going to leave the front lines and release those fighters and the women with them. Mm. I think this is a tremendous mistake. Yeah. Well, I guess Tayyip Erdogan over there in uh, Turkey, he's thrilled, happy, very excited. And I guess he must have expressed that to Trump when Trump called him. Seems like Donald Trump only got advice from Erdogan as to what to do in Syria. Yeah, Erdogan and Rand Paul. And I think that's, <laughs> that's, that's a real big mistake. And I'm shocked, frankly, that the president is talking to Erdogan in such terms. Erdogan, who has repeatedly shown himself to be an enemy of the United States, to openly mock the United States the U.S. military forces on the ground, warning them, threatening them in a really bullying way. And now Erdogan is saying he's getting ready to launch a new military attack into northern Syria. 
And if we're to believe what we're hearing now, President Trump's going to applaud him. You know, I've also heard that Top Erdogan is moving ahead, uh, aiming to put up a global Islamic union fueled by Sharia, the law of the Islamic world. Uh, that's very frightening as well. What about in Iran? I want to get all the stories I can before we ask you about your favorite Christmas. What about Iran arresting hundreds of Christians as a warning not to evangelize at Christmas time? I can understand why they don't want the evangelization, but boy, this is a report that is shutting down Christianity in the mission we've got. Right. They're not going to be able to do that. <laughs> Just put it very simply. Yes, they're cracking down on the so-called illegal churches, which are the house churches, which are the Muslim converts to Christianity. And there are hundreds of thousands of people like that in Iran. So arresting 100 of them, 150, is not going to have that much impact. They're trying to spread fear throughout the Christian community. They may succeed temporarily. But remember, Jimmy, these are individuals who have come to Jesus through personal revelation as their Savior. They've accepted Jesus as their Savior. They began as Muslims, and they've recognized that they were in error, and Jesus came to extend his love to them, whereas in Islam, all they know is a God of retribution and of violence. So I don't think violence from the Islamic State of Iran against new Christian believers who are filled with love uh, will win in the end. Well, I would have to agree with that. That's a biblical approach, that's for sure. Talk to me about your favorite Christmas story, Ken. Do you have one? You've traveled all over the world, the Middle East, Europe, every place you could possibly go. What have you been able to glean for a very special Christmas story? Well, Jimmy, you know, I I work with the Religious Freedom Coalition in the United States. I'm on their board. And Bill Murray, who's the president, has been going now the past three years with his wife, every Christmas to Iraq, to Nigeria, and to Lebanon, and sometimes to Jordan, to bring Christmas to refugee children. And he kind of sets aside his own family Christmas and goes there to spend it with others who don't have the benefits that we enjoy, that don't have the luxuries that we enjoy here in the United States. To me, my hat's off to Bill for doing that. Uh, My Christmases forever have always been spent with my family, no matter what I've been doing around the world. I've, I've just about always, that I can think of, returned home for Christmas to be with my children, uh, now our grandchildren, uh, my mother, who is uh, here with us now. She's 101 years old, so she comes to spend Christmas with her family. When the Timmerman clan get together, we have to get extra tables <laughs> and place settings. Yeah, well, that's the same with the Young family, and I think that's a great story. You've traveled all over the world, but you made it a point to get back home to be with your family. A great Christian leader told me one day, you can travel as much as you want to, but make sure you're home for Christmas. And I think that's a great story, and it's an encouragement to the rest of us. No matter what we do, we need to be with family. Christmas is a family time. Well, thanks for that reminder, Ken. Appreciate it so much. And you and your family there, where you may be with your almost a 102-year-old mother. May you all have a great Christmas. We'll talk to you again real soon. Thanks so much, Jimmy. Have a blessed Christmas yourself. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to have David Dolan standing by. I know what his favorite Christmas story is. It deals with Bethlehem and the many years he covered that story as a journalist. We'll get to David in a moment right here on Prophecy Today.
Hi, everybody. Jimmy DeYoung. By the way, when you're at my website, go to my Prophecy Bookstore, a special deal for Christmas from Prophecy Today. We have the Prophetic Book Essential 3-Pack. Now, that is great because these three books are essential for your understanding of Bible prophecy. The book of Daniel, the book of Ezekiel, and the book of Revelation. Those are the three books. I have commentaries written on all three of these, the most important books in the Bible prophetically because all other prophetic passages of Scripture dovetail into these three books. Each one addresses God's plan for a different strand of the human family. Daniel for the Gentiles, Ezekiel for the Jews, and Revelation for the Christians. In this special offer, you will receive my studies of these three special books, Daniel, Ezekiel, and Revelation, Daniel, a prophet to the Gentiles, Ezekiel, the man in the message, and Revelation, a chronology. Normal price, $45. We're going to give it to you for only $30. Let me remind you to buy right now. And by the way, when you're thinking about it, please prayerfully consider making us a part of your end-of-the-year giving. Those who partner with us keep the ministry of Prophecy Today moving forward. To donate your tax-deductible gift, please visit prophecytoday.com forward slash partners or call us at 8-PROPHECY-8, that's 877-674-3298. And thank you very much. Welcome back to Prophecy Today, a special edition, Prophecy Today Christmas Special. And as we move along on the broadcast, in the next half hour, we're going to Bethlehem, then up to Nazareth, and over to Jerusalem. We're going to be talking with pastors in each of those cities. Of course, Bethlehem, the birthplace of Jesus Christ, the hometown of Jesus for 28 years in Nazareth, and then the passion, the departure, and the return back to Jerusalem. We'll talk with Menno Kalashir there, and we'll talk with Nazar Tuma in Nazareth and Johnny Shuwan in Bethlehem. So keep the dial set right where it is. By the way, let me remind you about my Prophecy Bookstore. It's at my website, Prophecy prophecytoday.com. It's a one-stop shopping headquarters. You can go there and get all the Christmas gifts you may need. We'll send them out to you immediately. You should have them in your hand ready to give to your favorite loved ones. All DVDs are going to go at half price. Anything that is a DVD will be half price. But then we have six special DVDs, Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy, Ready to Rebuild, My Walk Through Revelation, Kingdom Come, Rome Rising, and Return to Eden. Those six for only $49. That's less than half price. If you want to get those six, it's only $49. What a deal we have for you here at prophecytoday.com and go to the Prophecy Bookstore. 
for your Christmas shopping, our Christmas specials. Well, we're going to the Middle East now, that part of the world where the focus will be on as we think of the first coming of Jesus Christ, the birth of Christ, the man who has been covering the Middle East over 30 years is David Dolan. He's our broadcast partner, a long, long time friend. I know, David, you're going to have a special Christmas favorite that you're going to talk about in a moment, but let's take care of a couple of news items first. I guess the big story this week has to be President Trump making a decision to pull out of Syria. That has put Israel on a high alert. Give us your thoughts about this decision by the president. Well, Jimmy, uh, one Israeli media outlet said that the government leaders in Israel were, quote, dumbfounded when they heard the news of very unexpected Prime Minister Netanyahu later revealed that he was informed in advance, but not nearly as in advance as the Turkish leader was informed, and also the Russians. Some are saying in the Israeli media that one of those parties leaked the information to Iran, and therefore to Hezbollah, and that may explain why Hezbollah's had a relatively restrained response to the Israeli ongoing military operation to dismantle the Hezbollah tunnels for so far discovered so far destroyed, and the Prime Minister did call that, Jimmy, an act of war by Hezbollah this week when he was speaking to some foreign visitors. But back to President Trump's decision, I'll just read you a couple lines from the largest paper in Israel, Ynet. This is an editorial they wrote. Uh, President Trump is now responsible for abandoning Israel, which has to face Iranian aggression in the region alone. As long as Russia is the region's boss and there's no American deterrence in Syria, what is to prevent Iran and its heavily armed sidekick, Hezbollah, from turning the Syrian side of the Golan Heights into a military outpost? And, Jimmy, that's the main concern, is that those 2,200 U.S. troops in the east and north of Syria are the buffer, the deterrence for Iran to uh, completely flood eastern Syria with its pro-Iranian forces in Iraq that are stationed and ready to move into Syria at any time and to really complete the land bridge from Tehran to Beirut that they've been talking about. So there's a consternation. They also, of course, were very, very confident in General Mattis, the Secretary of Defense, and his resignation was a second blow this week to the Israelis. And Of course, he talked about the fact that he felt alliances were most important, implying that the president didn't see that. Now, Jimmy, the Israelis have always known that Donald Trump had a isolationist streak. He's made that clear. He wasn't thrilled with having soldiers overseas, but they certainly don't believe that ISIS has disappeared. It's an ideology. It's a theology. It's deeply embedded amongst many Muslims in the region. Al-Qaeda is still operating in that area as well. And, of course, the fear is, is that as President Obama pulled the forces out of Iraq uh, prematurely, many felt, and that led to the rise of ISIS, that this decision will again lead to ISIS resurgence and other things. So the Israelis are very, very concerned about it, Jimmy, but as the Prime Minister said, we're uh, strong, we're going to remain strong, but you could tell from his tone, you could hear uh, the disappointment in his uh, voice as he spoke. Well, the Prime Minister Vigil had to come out and assure his own people. He made a statement, and I want to see if you agree this is very important at this time, that Israel has a missile of some type that can strike any target in the Middle East so they can defend themselves. Uh, that is not bravado. I do believe they have that capability, but it's a, a word of encouragement as far as the Israeli people, would you not think? 
Well, I think that's why he made it. It's like our big brother, our defender, may be leaving the block again, again, because they felt that way under Obama. And again, they have high regard for the president overall. His move of the embassy and those sorts of things were widely hailed. But this leaves them very, very nervous. But, Jimmy, at the same time that Netanyahu made that statement this week, the Russian leader, Vladimir Putin, said that they have weapons nobody knows about that are more powerful than anybody suspected. So everybody's boasting about this. The region remains on a knife edge, and it just seems incredible to uh, most observers that the U.S. would do anything at this time to seem to be turning away from its allies. The Kurds, of course, in the north of Syria in particular. And, Jimmy, there's a lot of ties between the Israelis and the Kurds. They've been working quietly as allies for many years now. There's a group of Kurds from Iran, but also from Syria and Iraq that have moved to Israel and live in Israel, a couple hundred thousand, and they support their fellow countrymen, too. So it's a mess, and it leaves everything that much more cloudy, and it really, frankly, Jimmy, with the Khashoggi affair in Saudi Arabia as well, it increases the chances of a bust-up involving Iran precipitously, and that's what everybody's basically saying and expecting. Interesting communique coming from the European Union and Russia, warning President Trump that the only way there can be peace in the Middle East, his peace plan must include a two-state solution with 67 borders. That's a no-starter in Israel, isn't it? Well, that's the case, Jimmy, but they're feeling that with the Saudis moving away from the United States, or actually it's the other way around, they know that Saudi Arabia was expected to play a major role in this new peace plan that the president's been devising. Gerald Kushner has been forming it in close alliance with the Saudi government and others. So it seems to be falling apart on its own. But, of course, the U.S. Ambassador Nikki Haley did say at the United Nations that this plan would be hurtful to both sides. That, In other words, both sides would find things they don't like about it, but things that they do like about it as well. So the Israelis were already wary, Jimmy, but it really looks like with these things going on, it's not going to move forward anyway at this time. You never thought it was going to really happen as it relates to bringing these two conflicting peoples, the Palestinians and the Jewish people, together. David, I know that we're coming up to Christmas in a couple of days, and there's going to be just hundreds and thousands of pilgrims from all across the world coming to the little town of Bethlehem. Talk just briefly about their high alert security-wise there, but then tell us about your favorite Christmas memory. Well, Jimmy, the alert is extra high this year because, of course, we've had uh, in the recent weeks and really all year uh, extra violence. We discussed that last week. There were some more incidents this week. So security is full on alert. And, you know, they don't let anybody drive into Bethlehem. You have to take a bus in, and everybody screened very, very carefully at the Israeli-Palestinian border, if you will. There really is kind of a border checkpoint there south of Jerusalem. And uh, I went in there every Christmas reporting for CBS. Uh, my most memorable event in Bethlehem was when Yasser Arafat's Hummer nearly ran me over. I was standing <laughs> in the and near the curb negotiating with the taxi driver a ride back to my car in Jerusalem when they came speeding around the corner, and the taxi driver grabbed me and pulled me out of the way and saved mm. my life. But I also remember, Jimmy, we would go to, to Shepherd's Field every year, a group of friends, and we would sing carols and look at the lights of Bethlehem in Jerusalem. And uh, we talked about the uprisings last week. Well, the first uprising was raging. This was in 1990. And we decided to go out to Shepherd's Field anyway, and we made our way 
there. That's not possible, by the way, today. That's too much security. We made our way there, and there we were singing Christmas carols, looking over Jerusalem, and we sang Little Town of Bethlehem, and as we did, some fighting broke out in Bethlehem. We could hear the shooting and the action, and we all started laughing, but, you know, not really laughing, because we were sad to see the violence going on, but uh, but hoping for that Prince of Peace. He's coming back. He will come back. He'll end all the wars and violence. And uh, this year, maybe more than many in many years, uh, we appreciate that fact, because we really do look like we're heading towards war. But the Prince of Peace is heading back and will rule and reign in Jerusalem. And that's the bottom line as it relates to the first coming of Christ, Christmas, almost 2,000 years ago. David, thanks for that memory. I can remember going out in those shepherd's fields myself when we were living there full time. Have a great Christmas, you and your family, and we'll talk again next week, another Middle East news update. Merry Christmas, Jimmy. God bless. Thank you, sir. We're going to take a break, and when we come back after the news, we've got Johnny Shilwan. He's standing by in that little town of Bethlehem. He's a pastor there. We'll find out what they're doing, getting ready to celebrate and evangelize those who enter into Bethlehem upcoming in a couple of days. I report all ahead right here on Prophecy Today. In today's world, a biblical worldview and a proper understanding of biblical prophecy should be a priority. At a time when many false doctrines are entering the church at a frightening pace, we must be able to rightly divide God's Word in order to live a pure and productive life for Him. If you would like an in-depth understanding of biblical prophecy, let me challenge you to consider Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's School of Prophets. The School of Prophets is an online study for the layman or student pursuing a master's or doctorate degree. Dr. DeYoung's online study program will allow you to develop a timeline of biblical prophecies of the past, as well as future prophecies yet to be fulfilled. Your personal study of God's Word will only be enhanced by Dr. DeYoung's School of Prophets, and your life will be changed as you better understand, like Daniel, where you fit into God's calendar of events. If you're interested in developing a deeper understanding of God's prophetic Word, let me personally invite you to become involved in Dr. Jimmy DeYoung's School of Prophets. Call today at 8-PROPHECY-8. That's 877-674-3298. Or visit us at schoolofprophets.org. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. We move in to this second half hour of our Prophecy Today Christmas special. This is a special edition of our broadcast as we approach that blessed day, the birth of Jesus Christ there in the little town of Bethlehem. In fact, we're going to go there in just a moment. A pastor, Johnny Shilwan, is there. We're going to be talking with him about what's going on in Bethlehem. But before we do that, we're going to the European Union, and we're going to talk with our buddy who covers all that's going on in the European Union so we can see how this key region of the world is setting up and playing a key role in getting everything ready to fulfill the prophetic scenario that's found in God's Word. John Rood is the man we go to. And John, I want to find out how Christmas is in Brussels, Belgium. You lived there for almost 30 years. We'll get to that in a moment. But let me ask you a couple of news items before we have a time of talking about Christmas as we get ready for that special time of the year. There are saying that the Brexit deal, it's either dead or there will be a no-deal Brexit. Now, what's that talking about, and is it going to work? There's a lot of plans happening now. 
the EU says there's no more negotiations. They've come out with a 14-point measures of, from the commission now, what to do in case of a no deal. So there's a lot of leveraging. United Kingdom is totally in a fix. So we're kind of going into the unknown, but it appears that it's putting the pressure to see and letting the U.K. know that they're in a very precarious position. What about the uh, EU and Russia coming out and telling President Trump if he's going to have a peace agreement there with Israel and the Palestinians, we'll have to go with a two-state solution going back to the 67 borders. I mean, is that pretty solid? Is that where they're going to stand their ground, or is that negotiable? EU is, is very solid on this. They've been strong on this. Having the contingency saying pre-1967 borders, this has been going on nearly 50 years. The interesting thing is is that eight EU states and ambassadors as part of the Security Council have made an official statement saying basically the deal must include pre-67 borders. Well, we'll have to see. I think that's a no-starter as far as Israel is concerned, so we'll have to see. John, this is our Prophecy Today Christmas special program, and I wanted to ask all of our broadcast partners to give us their favorite Christmas story. I know a number of years you were there in Brussels, Belgium, that's a beautiful part of the world. Tell us what your favorite Christmas story is as it relates to Belgium. Well, you know, Brussels, the bright spot for Christmas is the Grand Place. It's the central city square. It's known as the most magnificent city square in all of Europe. Mm. So they have a Christmas nativity scene, life-size, live animals. Mm. That's city-sponsored. It's very exceptional these days to have such a thing. Light show, Christmas market, 200 stalls and so forth. Just a great atmosphere and great memories with family and friends in the very heart of Brussels. Yes, I'm sure that sounds like a great experience being able to be there. I like the fact they had the the courage to put up a nativity scene and right there in the center of it all. Well, John, thank you so much for sharing with us on your Christmas memory there from Brussels, Belgium. And uh, we'll just, before next year, get together. We'll talk about end-of-the-year events that we've looked at together in our reports. But uh, you and your family have a very wonderful Merry Christmas, and we'll talk real soon. Thank you, Jimmy. Merry Christmas to all. Well, you know, there are three cities that were very key to the person of Jesus Christ, his birth, his life, and the passion and his return back to the earth. The first city, of course, would be Bethlehem. We're thinking about the birth of Jesus Christ. We're going to go to a pastor in Bethlehem, and then we'll journey up to Nazareth and into Jerusalem. Three pastors acting as broadcast partners with us and explaining the significance the birthplace of Christ in Bethlehem, the hometown of Jesus Christ for 28 years, and then the city where he was crucified, buried, resurrected, went back to heaven, and is coming back to the earth to set up his kingdom one day. And of course, that would be Jerusalem. First to Bethlehem, Johnny Shilwan is the pastor there, and it is the birthplace. It's the location where 
God allowed his son to come in human flesh. Interesting to me, Johnny, as we think about the birth of Jesus Christ, it was human government that uh, brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem. Now, they could have given birth there in Nazareth, where they were living at the time, but Augustus Caesar put out a decree that all the world should be taxed, and they had to return to the, the town of their family, King David, of course, relative of both Joseph and Mary. Uh, But what is interesting to me, uh, they had to come to the shepherd's fields, and uh, there at the edge of Bethlehem would be the shepherd's fields, which would be the location where the lambs would be born and uh, then be taken up to the temple to be sacrificed. The sacrificial lambs there uh, were housed and located in the shepherd's fields. This is a special place. Bethlehem uh, was the location of the birth of our Savior, but it's still a very special place today, isn't it? Yes, Jimmy, it is a very special place for in the eyes of the whole world, and a special place for the eyes of the people who are living here, who are the Palestinian Christians and the Muslims there, and all the people around Bethlehem area, thinking and praying for the for this special occasion in the year. And we are very thankful for that, that God chose this piece of land, this small city of David in Bethlehem, to bring his son to the world as a fulfillment of prophecies that God promises since many hundred years before. And we are very thankful as a Christians to be here and to celebrate with the whole world the love of Christ who became flesh in this special time. You know, indeed, the world is going to be focused on the little town of Bethlehem, not so little, basically about 60,000 people, but that's going to swell up to a very large community, especially on Christmas Eve, when the gathering of Christians there in Manger Square, just outside the Church of Nativity, to celebrate Uh, the birth of Jesus Christ. The town goes all out. They have parades. They have the choirs come from around the world. It's just a great celebration on Christmas Eve, isn't it? It is indeed. It's a special for the town that we are hosting different choirs from all over the world, and especially the local choirs from the different churches around the Bethlehem area and in the whole country, coming to sing and to be joyful with the whole world about the birth of our Lord Jesus Christ in this special time. And we are very thankful to host the whole world in our country, in our small town of Bethlehem. Now you, with your church, are going to reach out to those many people coming to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, but you'll reach out with the true gospel message, give them the way to come to know that Messiah, that Savior, that boy that was born in Bethlehem, Jesus Christ, will you not? Yes, exactly. Yes, indeed, Jimmy. We are having different programs to reach out with the greatest news to the whole world, that Jesus came to Bethlehem to show God's love for the whole world. And it is our responsibility to tell people about this good news, that Jesus been born to die for their sins here in Bethlehem. And we are very thankful that God is using his Church, his small number of believers to change the whole country because the whole country really is screaming and shouting for peace. And without the Prince of Peace, there is no peace. That's why the Prince of Peace, it's he himself, Jesus Christ, the small child of Bethlehem, 
he came to give them life. And he promised, I came to give you life and a better life. Absolutely. And that's why we are joyful with the whole world to bring this news. And we are going to the streets. We are giving some food packages for needy people. We are doing some visitation. Those who are really looking for help, who are crying, who are uh, going in different times, we are helping them, standing beside them, thinking of the whole Middle East and praying for the peace of the Middle East. And this is our responsibility as Christians, as believers. If we don't do this, we can't wait for somebody else to do it. That's why we are active Christians to bring the good news and to pray for the peace of Jerusalem, the peace of the whole Middle East, and especially the peace of this piece of land, Palestine and Israel. Yes, indeed. Well, praise the Lord. What an exhortation to not only the church in Bethlehem and across the state of Israel, but the entire world. Reach out with the message, the real reason for Christmas, the birth of Jesus Christ, the Messiah, who came to give his life to give all of us eternal life. Johnny Shuwan is the pastor of the church there in Bethlehem with this outreach. And Johnny, let me wish you and all of your people there a very blessed Christmas and a wonderful new year, but especially at this Christmas season. God bless you, my dear friend. Thank you, Jimmy. And I wish you and your community and the believers in the United States all the best and happy Christmas. And may God bless you. And thank you for your prayer. Think about us in prayer. We need your prayer to do the difference in our area. Thank you. God bless you. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Very interesting conversation with Johnny as we look at three major cities in the birth, the life, and the passion and return of Jesus Christ back to the earth. His first coming culminating in Jerusalem with his second coming. We'll get to Minnow Kalish here in a few moments. want to talk with Nazar Tuma now, who is pastor in Nazareth. Now, this is a place where for 28 years, Jesus Christ would refer to it as his hometown. And it was here where Mary and Joseph trained up Jesus Christ for his life and ministry. Remember Luke chapter 2, verse 52. Jesus Christ developed physically, mentally, socially, and spiritually. Remember, he was God-man and his mother and father, Mary and Joseph, responsible for the 28 years of his life there in Nazareth. Nazar, it's such a joy to be able to talk with you again. We have about a yearly conversation, I guess, at Christmas time. Is Nazareth all getting prepared for the Christmas season and what they're going to be doing to welcome people from around the world there right now? Yes, Jimmy, I have to wish you a Merry Christmas at first and tell you that we are absolutely ready to receive friends and guests from all over the world. Uh, Nazareth is decorated beautifully, and, you know, mostly it's lights and Christmas trees. We have two huge Christmas trees in the center of the city, and they are amazingly put together. The hearts of the people is the most important, that the hearts of the people would be ready to receive the um, born Messiah, in the land of Israel and in the city of Nazareth, his uh, conception place where the Virgin Mary conceived him. You know, that was a very special time, I'm sure, in the life of uh, the person of Jesus Christ and his mother Mary. Now, 
As I understand, Nazareth, it was for a long time in history dominated by the Christian community. Now it's the Muslim community that are the dominant residents of Nazareth. And with this first coming of Jesus Christ and the reality of Nazareth as the hometown for Jesus Christ, do you find it difficult or do you use the Christmas season in a way to get through the minds and into the hearts of the Muslim people to reveal to them the true Messiah, Jesus Christ. Yes, Brother Jimmy. Well, I could say at first that, unfortunately, this is where we are today, that a number of Christians have uh, gone really down. But that's due to pressures, local pressures, different kinds of pressures, social and religious and all kinds of pressures. But, of course, for us as believers who are still living here and born here in Nazareth, we use the season, you know, to reach out to our uh, Muslim neighbors. Our church in specific, we do plan giving away tracts and uh, Bibles. And uh, during the Christmas parade, that, you know, brings in about 100,000 people on that day. The church is trying to show or bring up the light of Christ during the season of Christmas. And, you know, you know how it is. It's not about... The, the tree, it's not about the decorations, and it's not about the sweets, but mainly the focus is at, at this God who has loved us and sent his only son to be born as a baby in a manger, and we can celebrate together, us and Muslims. And while the world is, is focused, you know, on this city, uh, believers and Christians around the world should be focused on the person who became flesh. Uh, for us in You know, I've watched you, my dear friend, and one of the reasons I'm always excited to be able to talk with you, especially at this season of the year, we did some television production there in Nazareth with you, and as you and I would walk down the street, I would see your Muslim friends just reach out to greet you. It's as if you were a some type of a superstar, because they seem to show their love, but in reality, it was you showing your love for them that was opening up these doors, and I'm exactly positive that uh, that's exactly what your church people are doing, reaching out and trying to present the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ, and especially to the residents of his hometown for 28 years. What a joy and opportunity. Let me ask you, if our people who are eavesdropping on this conversation were going to pray for Nazar Tuma and for his church and for the outreach to the Muslim community in Nazareth, what should they pray for? Also, Brother Jimmy, I would say that uh, at first we are here for a purpose. God has uh, made us live in this city to be a light and to be a salt. Like every believer, wherever God puts you, he's putting you there for a reason. Reaching out to our Muslim friends, uh, we need just, you know, if you pray, we just pray for wisdom, that we would do it the right way, and that we will not offer those Muslims, our friends and our neighbors, a dry Christianity, a religious Christianity, but we to draw our friends here to the person of Jesus. He is the center of Christianity. We want people to follow a person, not a religion, to follow a person, not a church. We don't invite people to our church to become believers. We invite them to follow Jesus and become real believers. Pray, yes, if the people would pray, it's just that God would give us wisdom how to continue to reach out to our Muslim neighbors the best way we can. 
And that's the bottom line. And it's that love that I was talking that Nazar Tuma shows forth to his friends and neighbors there in Nazareth, the 28-year hometown for Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Nazar, thank you so much for having a conversation with me. Greetings to all of your people. May they have a Merry Christmas, and may you and your family also have a Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year. Thank you, Brother Jimmy, and the same to you. We wish you all a happy and uh, peaceful Christmas out there in the States, and may the Lord bless you and bless this time and uh, bless your family. Very interesting conversation with Nazar Tuma up there in Nazareth, the place of the life of Jesus Christ, for some 28 years. Remember, we're looking now to my conversations that I'm having with three pastors, Johnny Shilwan in Bethlehem, birthplace of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Then we went to Nazareth and talked with Nazar Tuma, the 28 years of his life in his hometown, Nazareth, and now into Jerusalem to talk to Menno Kalashir, who is the pastor of the church, the assembly at Jerusalem. It's a church that uh, I had the privilege, Judy and I had the privilege of helping Minnow and Anat begin a long time ago, way back in 1991. Minnow, you may have heard me say in the introduction, we've been to Bethlehem, we've been to Nazareth, but now coming into Jerusalem. And once we arrive in Jerusalem, if I am remembering correctly, there's really no sign of Christmas in Jerusalem for either the Christian or the Jews since they don't accept Jesus Christ. So how do you even remember when Christmas is about to happen? And I can remember sometimes when you were preparing your messages, I'd have to say, hey, remember Christmas is coming up so you could get a Christmas message. About the same today, isn't it? Yes, I, I remember this history. <laughs> this, is, this is correct because we did not grow up looking forward to December 25th because this is not the culture we grew up in. Of course, we believe in Jesus. Jesus is, is our Lord and Savior. He came down from heaven to earth through the virgin birth, lived perfect life in order to be the Lamb of God and died for us, death of atonement, so we may have life and resurrected. All this gospel was very clear in the church. But again, the 25th of December uh, sometimes was slipped away. <laughs> it was not something that was always there. First, because, you know, in Israel, especially in the past, if you celebrate something like this, um, it was like to put a pig into a rabbi's house. Uh, <laughs> yeah. It was kind of, don't do that. I mean, right. this is so Catholic from their point of view. Right. So since you don't have the verse to prove it, it was on that time and so on, it was always kind of under the radar. Of course, we celebrate because God the Son, Jesus, needed to be born one day, you know. It doesn't matter. One of the 365 days, you need to choose one day, you know. If it's not the 25th of December, choose anything else, but one day it happened. So we did remember that, and we thank God for that. Uh, but we did not grow up as if the 25th of December, Christmas, is the highlight of something. That was not my childhood. Right, and I remember that as well. And Judy and I lived out in Gilo, a neighborhood in Jerusalem. And as we would come home, even from our church, which is not located very far from Bethlehem, as we go down the Bethlehem Road, make our turn to go into our neighborhood, we would see the beginning of some of the Christmas lights and, of course, recognize 
Bethlehem's Shepherd's Fields, and of course in Bethlehem there was a lot of promotion as it relates to that special day of celebrating of the birth of Jesus Christ. But now we're talking about Jerusalem. I've gone around the horn from Bethlehem to Nazareth, and in Jerusalem the Passion took place, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, which is key for us coming to know Christ as Lord and Savior. The next event, the rapture takes place, and then a false kingdom, which I would refer to as Jesus did, Matthew 24, verse 29, the tribulation period, then the return of Jesus Christ. Now, as you are looking at Christmas, and you're going to celebrate it with your church and with your people, but if you're trying to communicate the person of Jesus Christ as the real Messiah there in Jerusalem, do you put any connection together so that they may better understand Christmas and then the coming of the Messiah, what they would consider the Jewish Messiah? How do you witness to them about these coming events? First, when we speak about the gospel to people, and I'm talking about non-believing Jewish people, I would take messianic prophecies from the Old Testament, only from the Old Testament, and prove to them that these messianic prophecies speaks about an identity of a person and a ministry of a person. Mm -hmm. And this person can be only God. Only God can do the things these verbs are talking about, whether it's Isaiah 52, verse 13, it speaks about the identity of the Messiah, verses 14 and 15, about his ministry, first coming and second coming. Uh, when we speak about Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, who was the God who entered, the righteous king, the humble one, who entered into Jerusalem riding on a donkey? Who was it? I mean, history already tells us it was Jesus. And this Jesus who was born of a virgin in Bethlehem, Ephrata, did so many miracles that even Jewish Talmudic papers are writing about it, and Daniel chapter 9 says that he needed to die before the destruction of the second temple. Okay, how many persons, how many nominees history gives us? The people are numb, they cannot answer, and then they say, well, the, all the rabbis don't agree with it. Do you want to tell us that you are smarter than all the rabbis? You see, they always compare me to dead rabbis, rabbis who died 1,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. They don't deal with the truth. They don't come and tell you, okay, let's deal with the verses and let's see what the Bible says. They are not used to it. Are these people, but, all these Jewish people that you're dealing with now in an effort to introduce them to the true Messiah, are they aware of the significance of the city of Jerusalem in the future, the fact that it will be the kingdom area for the Messiah and all of those events that have been prophesied in the Word of God? Yes, they do. Many do. But they believe, of course, we deserve it. The Messiah will come and he will show everyone the goodness and the mightiness of the Jews. It, it's very sad, but as a nation, this nation does not know how to write the word humbleness. The prophecies tell us how God is going to bring it into practice. It will be so sad that the tribulation time. So when we speak with people, usually on the first meeting, it's like a struggle. Mm-hmm. But then the people leave the meeting with, you know, a seed in their stomach. And the Holy Spirit walks, and he initiates and wakes up those God shows. Well, what a wonderful time of the year. Whether they would receive the fact that Jesus Christ was born almost 2,000 years ago there in the little town of Bethlehem, just outside of Jerusalem, 
but uh, you have used this opportunity to talk to them, awaken them to the coming of the kingdom when the Messiah does come back and the King of Kings will rule and reign from that city. So a great opportunity to think about the first coming with your own people at the church, but then help them also to realize the significance of the second coming. This is a wonderful time in the world to be alive, isn't it? It is, because the lesson will be Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 to 27. Wow. And after this, we have a potluck. Jimmy, you can only dream about the food that is going to be there. (laughs) And after we finish to eat, we go again to the main hall and simply continue to sing Christmas uh, carols. And worship the King of kings, Lord of lords, the coming Messiah and Lord and Savior who will rule and reign in this wonderful city, Jerusalem forever from that particular location. You know, as we do on a yearly basis, just wanted to check in with you, find out how the congregation is doing, what you're doing at this special time of the year, the recognition of the birth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ, and see how you're reaching out to the world. We're praying for you people there. What could we pray for? Simply, quickly, let me find out so our listeners can hear and start praying for the assembly there in Jerusalem and the pastor, Menno Kalashir. Well, Jimmy, we are right now creating a new call to start a new church. God willing, God willing, if everything will go by the plan, in a week or two, we are going to sign a contract to purchase a new place for the new church that we are planting. I know that right now your jaw falls down because this is the first time you hear it. But, Jimmy, that's what's going on. We are overpacked. We don't have a place in our main hall, and by God's grace, we are giving birth to a new one. Well, praise the Lord. The birth of the Messiah. How about the birth of a brand new church to get that message out, especially to the Jewish world? Well, we'll pray and praise the Lord with you as this announcement has been made over the broadcast today, Minnow, and give love and greetings and a special Merry Christmas to all the people, your family, and a blessed new year as you move into this establishment of a new church there in Jerusalem. Amen. Thank you. Well, we're going to take a break, and when we come back, we're going to be talking with David James. We'll be talking about the scriptures in God's Word that point directly to the birth of Jesus Christ. We'll rehearse those for you. You don't want to miss that. That's up next right here on Prophecy Today, our Prophecy Today Christmas special. Welcome back to Prophecy Today. Merry Christmas to you and your family. This is a Prophecy Today Christmas special. And we've been focusing on the day that we celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ. When I take a look at the book in just a moment, I'll tell you why it is in December. And we'll talk about the actual location of the birth of our Savior Jesus Christ there near the shepherd's fields in the little town of Bethlehem. In fact, that's what we'll be focusing on when I speak tomorrow at the Church of the Highlands. It's in Harrison, Tennessee. Pastor Scott McCurdy heard me give a message on Migdal Adar, the actual location of the birth of Jesus Christ, and talk about how we know from the scriptures that he was born in December. That's what I'm going to be preaching 
at the Church of the Highlands. Scott McCurdy will start at 10.30 on Sunday morning. Love to have you come. Only one service on Sunday, but you come and let's celebrate the birth of our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. 10.30, Church of the Highlands in Harrison, Tennessee. I have a poll question on my website. If you'll go to the home page, scroll down the left-hand side, you'll see the poll question. Here it is. I would love for you to answer the question. With all the signs for the Christmas season, does it bother you that so many do not really understand the reason for the season? Well, that's the poll question. Please answer it. And as you do, go, if you will, and tell others the real reason for the season, every opportunity you have. Again, my poll question on my homepage, prophecytoday.com. Hey, when you're on the website, may I suggest you slip over to the bookstore? You're probably going to be trying to make some last-minute purchases for Christmas gifts to give members of the family or some of your friends at the Prophecy Bookstore. We have a number of specials. These are bits of information given to you to help you understand Bible prophecy and the prophetic scenario that is in the future teaching materials, learning materials that will be so handy. And it'll be giving a gift that will last. It will mean something in the life of the person you give the gift to. For example, we have, I don't know, I believe something like 25 different DVDs. If you would like to get a DVD, all DVDs are at half price. Every single one of them at my Prophecy Bookstore on my website, prophecytoday.com. And then we have six of the big sellers on our Prophecy Bookstore site. And as we're on the road in churches, making information available for people. For example, Presidents, Politics, and Prophecy, Ready to Rebuild, My Walk Through the Book of Revelation, Kingdom Come, Rome Rising, and Return to Eden. Now, these six are key. They're the number one sellers in our Prophecy Bookstore, and a special price, less than half price, you get all six for only $49. Now, that's this week, and you need to go to the bookstore and make sure you take advantage of this opportunity. And one more thing I would like for you to do, if you will, I know at the end of the year, there are many of you that are praying as to how you're going to make your end of the year contribution. I'm doing that with Judy, my wife, and I, praying together to see how we might have an opportunity to give to a ministry. Well, we, as you pray for that decision in your own life, would ask that you might consider prophecy today. We're coming out of our 29th year of ministry, going into our 30th anniversary year. We'd like to be free and clear. We've set a goal of $50,000. Now, I'm only ask you just to do one thing. I'm not begging for the money, but I am asking you if you would prayerfully consider helping our ministry as we get the word out to as many people as we possibly can through radio to tell them how they must be aware of the fact that the rapture of the church could happen at any moment. We want to make sure they're prepared after that, living pure and being productive until the rapture does happen. If you'd like to contribute your end-of-the-year gift to our ministry, go to Prophecy Today dot com forward slash partner p a r t 
M-E-R. And we so appreciate what you might prayerfully consider to do to help our ministry. Thank you so very much. And keep looking up. That rapture could happen at any moment. We now bring to these microphones David James. It's that time of the week when we get together and have our conversation looking at an issue that is confronting the local church. Are we as Christians that we need to have a better biblical understanding of, a prophetic significance as well in that understanding? And speaking of prophecy, well, that's what we're going to be focused on today, the birth of Jesus in prophecy. You know, there are so many, many prophecies about the the birth, the life, the death, the burial, the resurrection, the coming again of Jesus Christ. We want to zero it down and look at the prophecies of the birth of our wonderful Savior, Jesus Christ. And David, we've been discussing already on the program during this holiday season, some of our broadcast partners primarily looking into geopolitical terms, uh, but we've had uh, them give us their favorite Christmas story as well. And I want to turn to the scriptures. Let's go bottom line and deal with the question of whether we can say with confidence that Jesus, born of Mary in Bethlehem, is truly the Jewish Messiah. Talk to us. Yeah, I think that's a very important thing for us to be discussing. As you said, there are so many prophecies that have been fulfilled, fulfilled literally, as you said, concerning so many aspects of his life. And certainly there are at least, and I think maybe more, prophecies related to his return as we think about the rapture. Daniel's 70th week, his return to the earth in Revelation 19, his millennial reign the great white throne judgment and things going on into eternity. But I think it is very important, and sometimes I think from a prophetic perspective, something that is overlooked as we deal with prophecy related to the Lord Jesus Christ. You know, let's take that a little bit deeper if we can. When we think of those prophecies, you and I have already mentioned it concerning Jesus Often we jump over to prophecies about his crucifixion, his second coming, the future kingdom, love to talk about all those things and teach from the word of God. But sometimes we can tend to overlook the prophecies concerning his birth, which I think is key because it points to his identity. Well, as I was preparing for this, we'll get to those that are directly related to the to his birth, but there's one that's indirectly related to his birth and his identity that I think is often overlooked and is sometimes confused, and that is referring to the book of Matthew in chapter 2, verse 23. It says that him being called a Nazarene would be something that was spoken of by the prophet. So the question is, if he was born in Bethlehem, how is it that he was called a Nazarene? And it goes beyond the fact that his family was originally from there. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 11, we read this, there shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, who was his father, and a branch shall grow out of his roots. The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him, the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge and fear of the Lord. Well, for one thing, that could only point to the Messiah, but uh, interestingly, just a couple of weeks ago when I was at Nazareth Village, I took note of something that the guide said as it relates to the actual 
uh, way that olive trees are propagated, and the branches that spring up at the bottom of a, an olive tree are called nazares. And even though Nazareth is not mentioned directly in the Old Testament, it's believed that the town of Nazareth actually came from that word, that nether, that cutting. And in fact, as I was doing some research, I found that you can't really plant an olive seed and have it come up to be a good and viable tree that produces good fruit. So actually, it's a cutting, and this refers to Jesus springing up from a root, a root of his father, Jesse. And so that's overlooked, but I think a really important part of this whole story. Wow, that's a very interesting thought. I agree with that. I wonder, are there other prophecies, David, that you know about that narrow the lineage of the Messiah uh, that points to Jesus himself? Well, it connects to the prophecy of Isaiah 11, talking about someone who will be a descendant of Jesse. And then in 2 Samuel 7, in what we know as the Davidic covenant, what we find is that there is one of the sons of Jesse, the very last one, to be considered by Samuel the prophet, who was understood and pointed out by God to be the one who would be the next king of Israel after Saul had departed because of his sin and rebellion against God. And and in that prophecy in 2 Samuel 7 concerning this descendant of Jesse, David himself, he says, when your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set up your seed after you who will come from your body. I will establish his kingdom, pointing to an offspring of uh, Jesse. And he says this, my mercy shall not depart from him as I took it from Saul. And in verse 16, he says, your house and your kingdom shall be established before you. Your throne shall be established forever. The only one who can have a kingdom that can be established forever is actually God himself, because ultimately it is God's kingdom, once again pointing to Jesus Christ being the Messiah. David, would you not say that uh, things get even more specific in at least a couple of ways? For example, the very town of the birth of Jesus Christ, which is also connected to its timing as well. Absolutely. For one thing, uh, his birthplace in Bethlehem. Now, the Bethlehem was originally called Ephrata, and uh, it is a place where Rachel died while giving birth to Benjamin, one of Jacob's sons. This town became the home of Naomi's family, who then was the mother of Boaz, who was the father of Jesse, who was, again, the father of David. And so this town's name was eventually changed to Bethlehem, and it's not to be confused with another Bethlehem, which is found in the north near Nazareth in the territory of Zebulun. So it relates directly to Bethlehem, which is just uh, south of Jerusalem. And as far as the timing, what we read in the Gospel of Luke in chapter 2, it says this, it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. The census first took place while Quirinius was governing in Judah, and so Joseph 
being of the house of David, actually was forced by the Roman government to return to the city of David so that Jesus Christ would fulfill the prophecy of Micah chapter 5, verse 2, relating to Bethlehem Ephrata. And so the two are tied very specifically together. It's one of those things that's far beyond coincidence. David, perhaps the most well-known miracle connected to the birth of Jesus is being born of a virgin. But why should we believe that a miracle like this really did happen? Well, we read about the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, but then it's also confirmed in the book of Matthew relating to the birth of Jesus, that it was a fulfillment of that prophecy. The fact that Joseph did not put Mary away, as he could have, quietly, because if she had been pregnant prior to their actual consummation of their marriage, uh, it would have been a shame upon him in the community. The Jewish leaders would have understood that this was a, a horrible sin that Mary had committed, and so what we find is the way that Jesus and his family was treated and Joseph's reaction, having been spoken to by the angel Gabriel, it points to the fact that even the virgin birth must be historically true from both a biblical and even a logical basis. Thanks so very much for the research and putting this all together. We'll see you about a week from now. We'll have another conversation then. I look forward to it. Merry Christmas, and may the Lord give you a great New Year. Well, Merry Christmas to you, and blessed New Year for you and your family as well. We're going to take a break, and when we come back, I'm going to take a look at the book. I'll pull it all together. We'll be focused on the birth of Jesus Christ. We're going to do that in a moment right here on Prophecy Today. Have you always wanted to visit the land of Israel? Imagine what it would be like to walk in the footsteps of Jesus. With Joshua Travel, you can visit Israel past, present, and prophetic. The Bible will come alive as you see places like the shepherd's field where our Lord was born, Caesarea Philippi, Cana of Galilee, Capernaum, the Garden of Gethsemane, and the Garden Tomb. You'll even experience an exciting boat ride on the Sea of Galilee. You'll visit each site with Bible in hand as we take the time to not just visit the sites, but to help you understand their importance to our biblical heritage and to our prophetic future. We will place special emphasis on the eternal city of Jerusalem, the most important city in the world, and the place from where Jesus will rule and reign one day. Call Joshua Travel today at 423-821-3635 to find out more about this trip of a lifetime, or you can visit us online at joshuatravel.com. Hey everyone, this is Dave James with the Alliance for Biblical Integrity. You hear me each week discussing current theological issues with Jimmy DeYoung on the Prophecy Today weekend broadcast. We founded the Alliance for Biblical Integrity because we saw a need for an apologetics and discernment ministry that would be an important resource for local churches, schools, and ministry organizations that face ever-changing theological challenges in today's world. I teach many different courses and seminars in the United States and around the world and can tailor the seminars for Sunday schools, Bible studies, and church services. 
services and the courses for weekend conferences of 6 to 10 hours. For more information, you can go to the ABI website at biblicalintegrity.org. That's one word, biblicalintegrity.org, and click on Courses and Seminars on the main menu. You can also contact me personally through the contact page on the ABI website. I look forward to hearing from you. It's time right now here on Prophecy Today Christmas Special for me to take a look at the book. So far in the broadcast, we've talked with our broadcast partners around the world, Ken Timmerman, covering geopolitical activities, helping us to understand how these current events are setting the stage for Bible prophecy to be fulfilled. His favorite Christmas story was that every Christmas he can remember, he would be home for the holidays. He traveled all over the world as a journalist, and now making certain that every single Christmas he's home to be with his family. That was a great thought. And then David Dolan had a Middle East news update for us, telling us uh, that the state of Israel is on high alert after President Trump makes a decision to pull out U.S. troops there in Syria. And David talked about being in the shepherd's fields when the Intifada in Bethlehem, the city of the birth of Jesus Christ, did take place. A very interesting event to recall at Christmas time. John Rood covers the European Union for us. He updated on what's happening as it relates to Brexit and a couple of other items, but we talked about John's special time in Brussels, Belgium, and he says downtown Brussels is a key location to celebrate the birth of Jesus Christ, a live nativity set. I became very envious of John being in that beautiful city. Of course, we visited Bethlehem, Nazareth, and Jerusalem with the pastors, our broadcast pastors, John Shuwan in Bethlehem, birthplace of Christ, there in Nazareth, Nazar Tuma. That's the hometown city for Jesus, right on the edge of the Jezreel Valley. And then Menno Kalashir, he's pastor of a church and another church soon to be up and operating in Jerusalem. He announced that on the broadcast today. Menno in Jerusalem, the location for the Passion, Death, Burial, and Resurrection of Christ, his ascension into heaven, and then the promise that he would come back to the city of Jerusalem, set up his kingdom, which God the Father would give him. And from that location, after he builds a temple, he will rule and reign from that temple forever. And then we checked in with David James. We had our weekly conversation. We went through some of the scriptures, the prophetic passages of Scripture that talked about the birth of Jesus Christ, which gave him his identity. Also, it helped us to confirm his background all the way back to Adam. So that genealogy would prove he was the one who could be the Son of God, the one born unto our world. And of course, all of my conversations with my broadcast partners, if you missed any of them, can be heard at my website, prophecytoday.com. Go to PTRN, Prophecy Today Radio Network. There you'll be able to find all of them and tell a friend they need to hear at this season of the year what our broadcast partners had to say is happening in this world as we celebrate the first coming of Jesus Christ and get ready for the second. 
I'm going to give you a look at the book right now, and if you had to entitle this, I would call it Christmas in a Land Where There Is No Christmas. And of course, I'm talking about Israel, the Jewish state of Israel. In this land, there is no sign of Christmas, with maybe two exceptions. We're talking about the little town of Bethlehem, also talking about Nazareth. Now, those would be the two exceptions of any sign of Christmas. They are celebrating Christmas, his birth, and then his entire 28-year life in his hometown. But I want you to think about this. Other than those two communities in Israel, no sign for Christmas. This is the land that Jesus Christ came to, the Son of God coming to be man, God-man, for the purpose of becoming our Savior. From Luke chapter 1, the time of his birth. And many questioned, was it in December really, or was the snow going to hamper the birth of Christ? No, the answer is, it was in December he was born. When you add up the time of the priest Zacharias, Luke chapter 1 and verse 5, when he would have served in the temple, and then when he would go back to Encarim, his hometown, there impregnate his wife Elizabeth, and you count the six months to the time Mary was with child, and then from that point, nine months gives us December. So that was the month that Christ was born, the place. Well, the sign was from the angel there to those shepherds in the shepherd's field, priestly shepherds out there, men qualified to be priests and then serving as shepherds because those lambs there in the shepherd's field, that was actually the holding pen for the sacrificial lambs that would be taken up to the temple to be sacrificed. Well, it says, here's a sign. You'll find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. Put that together with the fact he had to be in Bethlehem of Euphrata, where he was born. That's Micah chapter 5 and verse 2. But Micah 4, 8 says, Migdal Adar, the tower of the flock. This was a two-story stone tower. The chief shepherd, that priestly shepherd, would look out over the field to make sure the sheep were all right. And in the bottom story, those priests would bring a lamb, a mother lamb that was expecting a child, give birth to her, and they would take the newborn lamb, wrap it in swaddling clothes, and lay it up in a manger so that it would not go off and harm its body in any way so that it could not be used as sacrifice at the temple. That's why the sign was, you'll find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And Luke chapter 2, verse 16 said, The men who were priests in that shepherd's field went with haste to find the newborn Messiah. That's truly the Christmas story. It all happened there in the land of Israel where there's no Christmas celebrated except for the possibility of Bethlehem or Nazareth. By the way, read that passage in Micah. It talks about Jerusalem and a temple in Jerusalem. Aliyah, that's the return of the Jews back to the land after a 2,000-year absence. Alignment, the nations that will align themselves against the Jewish state of Israel. Anticipation for peace. Those are the four major trends that you look at when you're looking at the end times. That was in the same passage of Scripture about the birth of Jesus Christ. You know, that first coming sets the stage for the second coming to take place as well. That ultimately is the Christmas story. 
Thank you so very much for joining us on this edition of the Prophecy Today Christmas Special. We here at Prophecy Today want to say to each and every one of you, may you and your family have a Merry Christmas and a blessed New Year, and may the reason for this season cause you to live in anticipation for the next event on God's calendar of prophetic events. That's the rapture. That rapture could actually happen at any moment. Having said that, nothing left for me to say, except let's keep looking up until. Thank you so much for joining us today. This is Jay Johnson inviting you to join us again next week for more of Prophecy Today.